Hey friends, thanks for listening to the Axiom Podcast. Um, We're a community centered around experiencing Jesus together and practicing his ways as a community. Uh, We like to say in Peoria as it is in heaven. Um, So this podcast is just space for discussion and exploring um, ideas and principles of the kingdom and also where we post uh, our sermons from Sunday gatherings. So um, please engage us online and uh, hope you enjoy this episode. morning. I have to tell you something funny. So I have kind of a chaotic note system, as you can see, a system of chaos. And in first service, like these are over there on your way to communion. And I had two separate groups of people tell me that on their way to communion, they were like thinking about taking one of those notes and (laughs) swip swapping. So it could be chaos this morning. And if it is, I'm going to blame first service. But anyway, my name is Denise Dines, if we haven't met, and sometimes I teach, and today would be one of those times. But before we get into it, if you've known me for even a little amount of time, you might already know that I love Mr. Rogers. And this week, earlier this week on the 20th, was Mr. Rogers' birthday. He would have been 95. And Mr. Rogers loved Jesus. He was actually an ordained minister, and he had a unique ordination to minister to children and families with the love of Jesus through the media. Um, I consider him to be a wonderful hero of the faith, and now he's part of that great cloud of witnesses that is just cheering us on. So to honor Mr. Rogers, um, I'm wanting to do what he would do anytime he would give like a commencement address or a speech. He would look at his watch and invite everyone in the room to take 30 seconds and think of someone that loved you, someone whose love and care and affection for you made a difference in your life. So if you're comfortable closing your eyes, I'm going to watch the clock for 30 seconds and just think of somebody who fits the bill, somebody whose love made a difference for you, starting now. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to take it a step further. I hope you were able to think of somebody. Um, I'm going to do something Mr. Rogers didn't do for our own purposes today. I want you to hold that person in your mind. We're going to take another 30 seconds, and I want you to, with that person in your mind, to be curious about what were those traits of love what, maybe it was a, a posture, a, a, maybe a tone of voice, something they did for you, did with you. What, what was it? Try to isolate some specific character traits that made that impact for you. So we'll go ahead and, and do that now. Take another 30 seconds.
Thank you. Thank you for taking that time for honoring a hero in the faith with me. Um, But also, we are wrapping up our series on prayer this morning, and prayer is just connection with God. That's all prayer is. But God is the God of love. So that experience that you had that is a felt experience of love, well, humans are made in the image of God. And no matter how imperfect we are, no matter how imperfect that person was that you thought of, it is a glimpse into the magnificent love that God has for you. And that experience, that memory, can serve as a launch pad into your prayer life if you want to take that into your week. But speaking of prayer, I want to open our message with prayer this morning. So, yeah, God, we thank you so much that you're here now. And I thank you for the people that you put in our life, that you planted in our life and and perhaps brought to mind this morning. Um, Thank you for showing us your love through one another. Um, And I I pray that, that you would teach us to pray. It isn't the first time you've taught us to pray, and I ask that you would do that here this morning, that your message, that you are saying, that that would be the message that is received, what you are saying, Lord, because you already are doing a good work, promise to carry it to completion. And and we just trust you that even this whole worship service this morning and this message is part of that. So thank you. Amen. All right. So if you've been with us the past few weeks as we've been talking about prayer, I'm just going to assume for sake of argument and so that I can give the message this morning that you're in, that you're like ready to give prayer a go. And maybe for the first time, or maybe for the first time in a long time, or maybe you pray regularly, but you're ready to approach it with maybe a fresh mindset. The question for today is, what is the posture of prayer? Posture matters. You know, for example, I, I've shared this with you guys before when I've been up here. B- before I come up to speak, I do like power posturing because of the TED talk from a long time ago. And it talks about how it like helps your brain chemicals so that I don't come in here and black out from being so nervous. And so I'm like doing worship like Wonder Woman before I come up because posture matters. And I'm not an athlete, but I hear that like golfers and baseball players like posture matters, right? I mean, does anybody play baseball? Somebody somebody had to have played baseball in this room in their lifetime. Oh, pointing at Micah, I wouldn't have known. But anyway, (laughs) sorry, I meant I would have assumed that you were a great baseball player. (laughs) But, But there's something about like the stance, right? You have to have like a good posture or else the ball won't go in the right. Go sports. But, but posture, posture matters. Now, but I want to make something really, really clear about bringing that idea of posture into prayer. Our posture does not matter to God, okay? We can be standing on our head. We can be in the fetal position sobbing. We can be underwater. It doesn't matter. God does not need us to be in some special posture for him to engage with us in prayer. He is always engaging with us. He is ready to interact. The posture is for us. It's for us. The other thing we've been listening to the the past few weeks in this series is that we are created to pray. We are made to communicate and commune with God in relationship. But does that make it easy? We have so many struggles with prayer. There's so many hurdles and tangles. The posture is to help with that. So I'd like to propose that a posture for prayer is the posture of yes. 
yes to the other. Yes to woe and yes to love. So let's start with, with yes to the other. Um, we've talked about this in the past weeks. I know Gavin last week for sure talked about how, have you ever been trying to communicate with somebody and they're totally distracted? Like they're on their phone the whole time you're talking to them? Or I, I used to hate when um, we were early married and it seemed I hated going to sports bars for dates as you can tell, because I'm not into sports, but also it was because of the TVs. There's all these TVs in the restaurant, and I'm like, no, we got to sit in a booth where there's like no view of a TV, because then while you're talking, there's like the looking over. And so it doesn't feel good to try to connect with somebody when they're distracted, but we do it to each other all the time. I mean, we're all guilty of this. It's very difficult. The other thing Gavin brought up last week that I can identify with, I, I wonder if you can, how many times have you been listening to somebody, but what you're really doing is thinking about how you're going to respond to what they're saying, which isn't actually listening. And we do this all the time. The posture of yes to the other is a posture that says, I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to put everything down. I'm going to put my distractions aside. We're not expected to do this all the time. That's, that's something that's hard to do, but can you do it for a moment? Just, just for the moment of prayer, I'm going to put all that aside. Another word for that, yes to the other, and of course in this case we're talking about yes to God, is attunement, is attunement to God. I want to share a picture of, of Marty, Marty Abish. I saw him this morning, but I don't know. Oh, there he is. Thank you for, for giving permission. They're here. Okay, so we announced last week that the Abishes had a little arrow on the 13th. But did you hear the dramatic tale? <laughs> I'm going to condense it. It's better if you hear it from them. But here's the condensed version. Mandy had a two-hour labor and delivery. Bam. Okay. The midwife didn't even have time to show up. So dad of the year, Marty, he had to be there. He had to be the professional in the room who caught little arrow. I know. They're here, so I actually think we should, like, applaud this magical moment. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for letting me share this. Okay, so I, I share this not just because we love the Abish family and because that's a really cool story, but because I think it's a really good picture of attunement. I'm pretty sure, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that in that moment that neither of, you know, Mandy or Marty were on their phone. I'm guessing they weren't thinking about, I wonder what I should cook for dinner tomorrow and if we have groceries. I'm doubting that in that moment that they were worried about finances right then. And the reason is because they were saying yes to the other. They were fully, fully present in what was happening. And I think this is a really extreme version, but that, that gives the picture of attunement and the posture that we want to bring to prayer as a choice. Now, not every moment is a baby-catching moment, which I think we can all be grateful for, as magical as that is. But um, what I, I really like uh, this author, David Benner, and he wrote a book called Spiritual Companions. And he shares something that I feel like is helpful for the everyday moments. The not, you know, they're not all baby-catching moments. How can we be tuned in? How can we say yes to the other? And he says... Self-absorption is the great enemy of attunement to God. 
This is why anything that breaks self-absorption can facilitate attentiveness to God, such as music, walks in the woods, meditation on great works of art, anything that helps us develop a receptive posture of openness to the divine prepares us to encounter the God who constantly reveals himself. See, there's no like mystical magic in walks in the woods, but it, it breaks that self-absorption, it breaks that phone absorption so that we can say yes to the other and in prayer we can decide as we step into that place, I'm gonna be attuned to God now. I'm gonna say yes to the holy other that is God. So, you said yes to the other. Well, this brings us to the next yes, which is yes to woe, which is a posture of reminding ourselves who it is we're actually addressing in prayer. Jesus teaches this. The disciples asked Jesus once, hey, um, how do we pray? You teach us to pray? He's like, yeah, I'll just do it. And so he said, our Father art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Okay. <laughs> Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed means to be revered. We can choose in prayer to step in with a posture that is right-sized before God. The other word, the real word really, for right-sized is humility. Humility doesn't mean that you think of yourself as like a loser, pond scum, horrible. No, humility is right-sized. You think of yourself as human-sized, just like all the other humans that are in the room and on planet Earth. And then you zoom the camera lens out, and we're still human-sized, but then we're in this whole like solar system, and then we're in this whole galaxy, and before you know it, you are here. And that's what a camera captured, so there's more, surely. <laughs> there's more. In the book, um, Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools, Tyler Statton talks about the creatures in the book of Revelation, which if you haven't read Revelation, it's a little weird, you know, it's, it's not like all the other books in the Bible, it's a little different. And they talk about these fantastical creatures that are like flying around the throne of God, and they're covered with eyeballs, which is very weird. Even their wing, underneath their wings, covered with eyeballs. And so the author of this book goes on to say, what's up with that? I mean, but then God knows what he's doing. God made everything. He made these creatures. When he made fish, he gave them gills so they could breathe underwater. When he made birds, he gave them wings so they could fly. Why did the creatures who are flying all around the throne of God, what's with all the eyeballs? Oh, it's so they can see. And these creatures that see God in a way that we probably never will because, you know, we only have these, you know, they're there all the time. You know what they do as a response to that sight? Nonstop, 24-7, forever and ever and ever, they cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. See, the posture of yes to the other that's helpful in all our relationships. We need it with one another, and we need it in our relationship with God through prayer. But the posture of yes to woe, that reverent posture, that's reserved for God alone. 
And we can choose to put that posture on as we enter in prayer. We can choose that. But that brings us uh, to the final posture. You've said yes to the other, and you're tuned in, tuned into God. You've said yes to woe, and you're ready to behold the holy. Well, I think the next yes posture is the one that matters to God more than anything for us, and that is the posture of yes to love, which is a posture of intimacy. Does that seem a little uh, absurd that I would suggest that the thing that matters most to the God who made this universe is intimacy with us? If that sounds scandalous to you, you're in great company because I think it sounded scandalous to King David because what he wrote in Psalm 8, let me show you. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you're mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. But mindful he is. Take a look at, verse, or at Psalm 139, which is a great psalm. This part says, How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. This can also be translated, How precious toward me are your thoughts. How vast is the sum of them. He goes on to say, If I were to count your precious thoughts toward me, they would outnumber the, the sand of the seashore. Charles Spurgeon, the theologian, said about this verse, Beloved, which is all of us here, you and I can rejoice that God actually thinks of us, but he thinks of us often. And there are so many images of this intimacy that he's wanting with us. Here, let's look at, um, at Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 49. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget I will not forget you. See, I've engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. It, there's more. Let's take a look at Hosea. Hosea chapter 2. In that day, declares the Lord, this is a book of prophecy, you will call me my husband. You will no longer call me my master. I was in my early 20s the first time I read this verse, and it is a plot on my timeline. It changed my relationship with God, and, and I remember it so clearly. I was sitting at my parents' dining room table with the Bible, reading the book of Hosea, and I got to that, and it just stopped me. And I was very uncomfortable. <laughs> and I told him, I said, I can tell. This has to do with intimacy. And I must not know what that is, because I'd rather call you master. I'm much more comfortable with that. So you're going to have to show me. And he did. And he continues to show me what intimacy is with him and in life. And so the question begs, why? Why does he care that we have an intimate relationship with him? I mean, he's like, you know, he created that huge universe. Isn't he fine with us just going along our way or, or even having like a servant relationship? What's wrong with that, right? Well, here's why. Because when he made mankind, he made mankind by putting his precious image into us. And his image is one of intimacy and love. 
So to be fully human, to be full image bearers, we are to be quite familiar with intimacy and love. And he knows that we lost our way, that we lost our way. And it matters to him to heal and restore what was broken. You know, in Eden, in um, the Garden of Eden, in the beginning of Genesis, it, it implies that we walked and talked with God. We had a relationship that was very personal and intimate. It says that we were naked and unashamed until, until, in Genesis 3, the serpent came and he gave a, a tempting proposition that perhaps, perhaps, God isn't trustworthy, and we bit. And that day, our compass broke. And we forgot how to be naked and unashamed. And from that day on, we have a natural posture of keeping God at arm's length because maybe he's not trustworthy. Maybe he's not good. And if you look at scripture all the way through, God has been chasing after us to restore that intimate relationship, culminating in the person of Jesus Christ, the fullest expression of that. He wants to heal that broken compass, and he's the only one who can teach us that posture of yes to love and yes to intimacy. Well, the good news is, Scripture says that he knows our frame, that we're made of dust. And it also says that we have a high priest, referring to Jesus, who can sympathize with our weaknesses. In other words, he knows this isn't easy for us. <laughs> he knows what we're up against. And he cares. Another bit of good news is that the nature of intimacy is that it's not intimacy without consent. Without consent, it's a different thing. It's not intimacy. Intimacy requires consent. The other thing that, that the nature of intimacy is that it cannot be forced or rushed. If it's forced or rushed, that's not intimacy. That's something else. Intimacy is a slow unfurling into being loved like a flower. And the way a flower opens up to the warmth of the sun. And that's really good news for us because we struggle with this. But God says, that's okay. You can show up with a posture of yes to love, yes to intimacy, with all the imperfections and fears and difficulties and confusion surrounding it. You can show up and say yes as is. And that practice of, of communion with the, with the God of love will produce a slow unfurling and learning how to reclaim full humanity, being full image bearers. Well, there's more good news. When it comes to prayer, all of this yes posture, um, God knew exactly what we needed. And he provided it in the person of Jesus. He brought himself in the human form, the incarnation. It's a lot easier to pray to something we can imagine. When we can imagine a person it's a little more difficult, I think, to pray to like some sort of cosmic, mystic thing. And I'm not saying that God isn't cosmic or mystery. He's got that going on. I don't want to squash that out. But 
He came as Jesus so that we could have a relationship with God in a way that is so, so accessible. So accessible. In Colossians 1.15, it says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. What's really fun about that verse is that the Apostle Paul wrote it, and you know what? Paul was not walking and talking and hanging out with Christ in the Gospels when he was like alive in that way. Paul didn't encounter Jesus until he had already died and resurrected and ascended up into heaven, which means we're in the same boat as Paul. And he's the one who said, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. So I'm going to close this morning um, with a spiritual practice, a, a type of prayer that's not a new fad. It's been around for a long, long, long time, and that's just imaginative prayer. And I'm going to invite us to, to do another moment of silence if you're comfortable closing your eyes, and I'll watch the clock. But the invitation is this. Remember the person that you thought of at the beginning, the Mr. Rogers person? And we isolated those traits of love that made an impact for you, that has like a muscle memory of that experience. I'm going to invite you to put those traits on the person of Jesus. And for a minute, I'm going to look at the, the watch, to, to focus on Christ gazing at you and his posture of love for you, starting now. <clears throat> 